SAFM leading the conversation. SMS SAFM now on 41391. Please give us a call. We are talking all things money. This being Wednesday, the focus, of course, is on such matters. The guests this evening are Mr. Makwe Masilela, Chief Investment Officer at Makwe Fund Managers, Mr. Matthew Parks, Kosatu's Parliamentary Coordinator. And the question essentially is, what should South Africa's economic recovery entail? Earlier this week, and I think it was on Monday, we had a conversation with Herman Pretorius of the Institute of Race Relations in review of a particular report that they would launch the following day. That would have been Tuesday. So now being Wednesday, we're continuing the conversation as was promised with the multiplicity of stakeholders being engaged for the purposes of getting as many voices involved. Of those voices that we shall still be engaging, none is less important than that of those who are sitting at home, you, because you're most affected in the context of this question. First up, though, let's have a conversation from the parliamentary liaison officer, parliamentary coordinator, Matthew Parks. Matthew, we had this conversation earlier on, in May it was. Thanks for joining us. You had called as early as then for level three. Well, at least you should be happy now because we are in level two. Might it be an argument from Kosatu that it came too late? Good evening. Thanks for joining us. Hi, good evening. Thank you for having me. Did you hear my question, Matthew? So, sorry, no, I didn't hear you. Cut for a second. The question is, now that we are in level two, having Gosatu called for level three as early as May when you and I last spoke, what is Gosatu's position where we are in relation to the level two regulations? Yes, look, I mean, I think first, the number one issue um, has been to, to save lives. Um, we're going to have to adjust to the new normal. COVID-19 will be here for a very long time. We've got no control over women. We'll have an immunization, et cetera. So we must always see how do we adjust our lifestyle, the way we do work, where we live life, to minimize the spread of the pandemic. Um, but equally, we have to save jobs. And you remember, well, you would know, of course, that even before the lockdown, we were already in an economic recession. We had 40% levels of unemployment and thousands risking losing their jobs. And right now we are in a deep recession. Unemployment may push far past 50%, even 60%. So we really need to have to move quickly to save jobs. We need to throw everything we have possibly into the economy. Um, and I think for us it's quite worrying that whilst we've done well on the health front, we have not done well on the economic front. The supplementary budget didn't include a stimulus plan. It has not brought any significant new amounts of funding into the economy. In fact, the only new amount of funding brought into the, into the economy in the economic relief plan has actually been the UF of relief towards workers who have lost wages or jobs. So I think for us right now, we need to have a massive stimulus plan. We need to inject new money into the economy. We need to sort out the 200 billion rand loan guarantee scheme, which is really taking off at a very tepid space with only about 6% dispersed so far. Um, of course, but also we need to address the issues of corruption and wasteful expenditure in the state. Um, there's no point in bringing more money to the state if it's simply going to be stolen. We have to deal with that. Um, we also have to get ESCOM back on its feet because that's been another kind of massive threat to the economy. Um, but also it does, it does require that the banks come to the party. Um, not all funding can come from the state. It has limited resources. So the banks have to significantly come to the party injecting money into the economy, making it easier for consumers 
and for businesses to access credit, credits, make it more affordable. Um, and look, we really need to have that spirit of social solidarity and a social compact between government, business and labor to, to get the economy back on its feet. We just simply don't have the luxury of time at all. So much there, Matthew Parks. Appreciate that response. Based on what you have said, I, I've got two matters that are important and are a direct response to what you've said. You said it's pointless bringing in more money when there's no particular plan to use it. I suppose the one question that I would be interested in is whether or not COSATO, as an alliance partner to the ANC government, would have been consulted when the ANC proceeded or the ANC-led government proceeded to secure a loan at the World Bank? And if so, what was COSATO's position in relation to if this loan should be secured, this is what we would like for this loan to do? That's the first question. And this is especially important because I want to understand why you would have felt as early as May it was important to open up the economy. When, when we were having this conversation, we were still in level four and you wanted it to go to level three. And as soon as it went to level three sometime in June, our numbers spiked at the time we were nowhere near where we are right now. And at some point we were number four in the world in relation to cases. So there's a direct link with South Africa dropping level regulations to it increasing the ladder in terms of the world and related reported cases of coronavirus. Two questions from a health perspective and an economics question. Yeah, no, look, thanks. Um, look, on the first question on the IMF, um Look, we understood government's position. Government is desperate for any amount of money. We are in our worst economic crisis in 100 years. We needed to access as much funding as possible. Um, it had limited amounts available. And that IMF loan was specifically aimed at reinforcing government on the health front, um, which is critical to saving lives. And, of course, that will save the economy longer term. We do have significant concerns about it as COSATU. We've historically not supported going to the IMF. Um, because we felt their conditions that they attached frequently are onerous. But we had extensive engagement with the President of the Republic. He assured us about the conditions not being onerous to the state. There would be no um, conditions attached which would undermine our sovereignty. And also the interest rate is affordable at 1%. Um, having said that, we don't want to get into a situation where we're over-indebted, especially to foreign, foreign lenders, um, because of the grand dollar exchange rate. And look, to be honest with you, we can't afford to allow our debt levels to increase too much um, for our own sovereignty purposes. So for us, this is a one-off intervention, which we have approached uh, with trepidation, but we've accepted the president's reassurances in that regard. Um, on the other issue about moving <clears throat> from, from level four to three in the spike, look, for us, the lockdown was always a temporary intervention. It was not a solution mm -hmm. on its own. It was about sure. buying government time, to prepare the healthcare response, to conscientize us as a nation, to put in place the health and safety measures at our workplaces, at our schools, transport, all parts of our life. It is never the solution. You cannot sustain a lockdown permanently because people need to go to work to be able to earn an income to buy food from the families. You, you can't run an economy or nation on food parcels or the unemployment insurance fund forever. So it was a temporary intervention to buy us time to adjust to the new normal. Um, we don't know how long COVID-19 will be around. It could be around for three months. could be around for three years. Um, could be there permanently, like other pandemics have been always there, but we've managed to manage them. So I think it is basically about adjusting the way we, we run our lives. Just like, for example, Cape Town had to adjust to, to the scarcity of water and to shift how we manage ourselves 
to accommodate that new that new reality of life. So for us, it was a temporary intervention. Yes, we did spike that it was going to happen. It is very painful, um, and there are certain mistakes we have made, all of us. Um, we do accept that no one in our society was ever prepared to manage a pandemic. It is inevitable mistakes we've made, but I think on many fronts we've done well, but also there have been many blunders. For example, the shortage of PPEs being provided to hospitals to health workers, the, the looting at the PPEs, the PPEs that have been bought, which have been poor quality and have exposed health workers' lives to danger, um, the lack of preparations for schools to reopen safely. Um, but on other fronts, we've done well. Um, but look, at the end of the day, government can do so much, and also it does come down to the individual business, the individual citizen, to also adjust to how they manage themselves, because government can't walk with you on the street and make sure you have a mask. We have to accept responsibility as South Africans, um, and also to make sure that we hold other persons accountable. So trade unions must hold employers to account when they break the law, and we have to change our culture on many fronts going forward. Fantastic. That's Matthew Parks, the parliamentary coordinator representing Cosato. Of course, he's in conversation with us this evening talking about what the country should do for the purposes of its economic recovery. Joining him as well as our guest this evening, I've had a conversation with him, I think the last time was 2019, Mr. Makwe Masilela, Chief Investment Officer at Makwe Fund Managers. Makwe, thank you then for joining us. Appreciate that. Well, you've listened to Cosato, but perhaps we should start in terms of money. Lots of money has been spent. Government tried to buy time as it tried to re-engineer its systems, including the budget, as well as re-portion, if you like, or reconfigure state resources. What are your thoughts in terms of how South African government has handled the economic aspect or the money aspect of its response to COVID-19? Good evening to you and to the listeners. Yeah, you know, I think given that we've been in this situation and maybe we are missing the point because we are trying to address what is happening with COVID-19. The reason I'm saying that is that we are like putting a plaster on the cracks. We've been struggling as an economy way before COVID-19 for the fact that that we were downgraded, for the fact that we got into recession, for the fact that mm-hmm. even the, for the first month when we had lockdowns, we had big companies complaining that they don't survive, even other big companies trying to negotiate not to pay rent, others complaining that they don't know what they have to do going forward. That's even before we knew that we were in a lockdown for almost 145 days. So if we're just going to be focusing on trying to shut out the COVID net, I don't think we'll be doing justice to our economy. And I think for me, it's just to do what we know. We just have to stop talking because as a government, as a country, we've been knowing that there are some structural reforms that could have been implemented way back. As an example, I think when mm-hmm. we started talking about stimulating the economy of 2018, one of the things that they mentioned, Shongazo, was to start auctioning the spectrum. How many has done the line now? It's not even yet auctioned. One of the things that was mentioned then, it was the likes of the infrastructure spent. It's only now that it seems as if there's that 10, 10 billion that has been reinforced by the National Treasury. So my point here is, whatever that needs to be done is to start implementing what we have agreed upon, not necessarily what we have just been happening in the past three months, because our economy is not in this situation because of COVID-19. It has been struggling uh, uh, forever. And we know that for any economy to cross, you need to be spending money. But because of COVID-19, 
then we have to increase the speed, you know, that we need to spend that money. And also, we need to remember that the government's job is to create an environment where businesses can come and invest, stuff like that, create jobs. But me and you as well, we've got a role to play. As employees, we have to make sure that we give out the necessary production because we also have to continue to be productive. And here I'm talking about people in the public sector. We know they take forever. People in the private sector, they are not giving their work. They pay you X amount of months and but we are not giving out that necessary output. So we also have to do our part as well as employees to make sure. But government, a simple thing, maybe they should move away from naming things. Maybe let's say government has to start spending money on things that will generate jobs, not consumption. Maybe they like... What are those things? You're actually talking about an economic stimulus. You're talking about an investment in the context of rebooting the economy. Unpack some of these things that you are alluding to. You know, as a country now, people have been talking and complaining about the issue of electricity. It's well documented. People have been mm. talking about the expensive, the data that is very expensive. We know what the government needs to do to auction that spectrum. It's sitting there not generating money for them. Government has been mm. talking about the red tape that is there something that the government has to look into itself to make sure that that tape moves away. People have been complaining about having access to capital. We've just seen as an example, the government came with a nice mechanism as an example, though it has not yet been used uh, uh, to, the, to the right extent that they gave that guarantee of almost $200 billion. Why can they generate a fund like that as a guarantee to help people who have been complaining about access? capital that they can have something like that that government will probably set it up you look at our life of idc or NEF, they operate like commercial banks there's no difference when people even go there to try to get the funding those are simple things that can be rectified overnight we don't even have to go and try to look for money anywhere else and anyway people need to know that before even getting the money from imf as a country we are borrowing money almost every week the government is auctioning the minute they do that, it's a way of trying to get money outside. And I think maybe we're fortunate this time to get cheap money from the likes of IMF. Guys, we need to remember that you take a 10-year bond. The yield on that or the interest rate is 9.2%. You compare that with the repo rate, which is 3.5%. You compare that with the rate that you are getting from the IMF, which is almost 1.1%. And you've got almost eight years to repay that money from it. Because that's going to give you that three years before you start repaying, and thereafter you've got five years to pay. So that money shouldn't even be an issue, shouldn't even be a debate, because that's one of the cheapest money compared to the money that the government is raising weekly by auctioning those kinds of bonds. And I'm saying that things that we know we should be implementing. The question should be why is it taking us forever to implement those things? Because those are the things that make South Africa to get into a recession. Those are the things that made the country to be downgraded. And we just got the rolling shots around 2016, 2017, when the likes of S&P and Fitch were downgraded. So it was as a government. That's when we should have acted, way before even the likes of Moody downgraded as this year. So it's a question of spending that money. As an example, sorry to open that, you get budget allocated to departments or the municipalities. They return that money. They didn't spend the money. That's a huge opportunity cost because if they could have spent that money, whether it's ten billion or one billion, that money could have just generated some jobs. That money could also have generated taxes to them as a government because those companies probably will make profit. 
because we pay profit, we pay taxes uh, as companies after generating profit. That money could have generated income for the government and the form of pay as you earn. Let's take a short break. Open line, guys. 891 please. Let's have this conversation now. Let's not wait for the conversation to tail off before we suddenly get our numbers teeming with the lines. I want to give you an opportunity to speak and speak your mind relatively openly to our guests in Makwe as well as Matthew, who are on the line until... 10 to the hour. We cannot delay the conversation, nor are we going to rush things because now we've got a flood of calls. Please get your thoughts through. Voice notes, the rules have never changed from what they have always been. Under a minute, clear line behind you. Please, no dogs barking or an echo because you are in the toilet. After the break, we continue. The topic, of course, is South Africa's economic recovery. Your thoughts from home. Let's play Didombo. When were you Minister of Finance right now, what would you be doing after the break? Nothing conventional on the viewpoint. Call Songhez or now 0891-104-207. Most certainly nothing conventional on the viewpoint. In fact, we like a bit of controversy, so let me get on with it. Makwe, I'm going to ask you this question, and please be as brief as you possibly can. I'm going to put you on the spot, and it's quite deliberate. Of the many things that government could be doing right, it's to be getting the labor force to be doing the work. But it doesn't seem like there is coordination between the ANC and its alliance partners, SACP and the labor movement, COSATU. In fact, COSATU were not consulted in the loan towards the IMF. In fact, even worse, COSATU is threatening major industrial action because despite it all, they want their members who account for just a shy on 60% of the public sector workforce to be given pay hikes. Your thoughts on that in amidst this economic crisis? Kosati is doing what they're supposed to do. That's their mandate to make sure that they protect their members. But now in times like this, Kosati and the government, they shouldn't be seeing each other as us and them. They should start seeing themselves as one so that they will go through all this. But yes, they are all within their right to make sure that they get all the benefits that are necessary to their members. But unfortunately, if money is not allowing them, it's difficult. A simple example, we've seen companies now recently. Why did employees this time around? Most of them agreed to some pay cuts. Why some of them, what is 10% or 30%? Because they know that if they don't do that, then the company might not be sustainable going forward. But yes, this time around, it's not a question of us and them. They should be seeing or they should be reading from the same page. I'm interested in the response from Matthew Pox on that. I mean, Kosatu spokesperson Cesar Pamela told Cave Argus that Nahawe and its federations have given the blessing for planned mass action next month. Is this surely the narrative Kosatu wants simply because they are enforcing, open, close quote, the interests of the members? And I'm not entirely sure it is in the interests of the members to go on this massive scale industrial action. Your thoughts, Matthew? Look, I mean, the law provides for workers to withhold the, 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 the labor, which is called a strike, in the event that they're not able to resolve the issues with the, with the employer. Um, we had negotiated in good faith with government for a three-year wage agreement. The 2020 year, the last year, that three-year agreement. Government has specifically asked for a three-year agreement to help them budget for the future so they know how much increases are. And this increase actually is the lowest in a decade. It's inflation plus 1%, half a percent and 0% on a sliding scale, depending on how much you earn in the public service. Inflation, as you would know, has plummeted from 5.5% to 2.1%. So it's easily manageable. 
we would have been willing to engage a government if they had come and negotiated with us in good faith. They could have easily come to us in October last year, the medium-term budget statement, and said, guys, we're in trouble. Can we discuss a way to... Matthew, sorry, Matthew, to interrupt solution? you. This is year three of the three-year wage negotiation agreement. At the time of this negotiation, the weather was great. The fields were dry. It's raining, it's hailing, and there's massive lightning right now. You don't even have spectators. What's the point of carrying on on that game? We're talking about an international global pandemic unrivaled in a hundred years of this world. Why can Gosatu not look at those realities that are faced by everybody else, not just Gosatu members, and play the game in the context of national interest? No, look, we look at the reality of a, of a nurse or performing the jobs of sick nurses, six nurses, and it should be when there's only one. We look at the reality that the nurse is a single African mother with two or three children to support, and she only earns about 200,000 rand a year. We look at the reality of a police officer working in a sector where, on average, police officers killed every week by criminals. Again, only earning about 250,000 rand. Yet we will listen to a minister of finance who says, look, you must tighten your belt, nurses and doctors and police officers, but he earns 12 times what that police officer or that nurse earns. We look at the private sector where the average salary of the big five banking CEOs is 150,000 rand every single day, yet the average bank cashier earns 300 rand a day, and those are the cashiers who have been bearing the brunt of retrenchments. Workers have been sacrificing long before COVID became a problem. It is not workers, it is not teachers or nurses who have looted the state to the point of collapse. It is not them who steal 150 billion rand from the state every year. It is politicians and management who do that. It is not There's no dispute the there. There's no dispute there, Matthew. Broken ESCOM, which is now collapsing the state. So we have said we're willing to engage. We have made concrete proposals to say to government how we can save easily 150 billion rand in the wage bill over the next three years by linking to inflation, by not giving politicians or management an increase, but in fact by cutting their increases, but at least to ensure that the lower income workers, the middle income workers are protected from inflation. So you can do it, but government has to engage with us. They can't simply go to a budget speech and the day before say, guys, we're walking out, we're going to give you 0%. It's I'm, I'm not really engaging, Matthew. I'm not engaging the misgivings of government, which are there for everybody to appreciate and accept for what they are. My question is, what are Gosato bringing to the table? table because we know COVID has shed and it's increasing every single day. Three million plus jobs of even more vulnerable people than those who are protected by belonging to the union, Gosatu. For instance, your security workers, security job employees and the like. I'm asking now, in the context of national interest, because this argument that you are advancing is exactly why it gives credence to whoever, but it gives credence to the notion that the public wage bill is too high. It gives credence to the fact that those over 55 should be forced to take the early retirement and not necessarily be replaced so as to reduce the massive exposure government has to just about the wage bill because the wage bill accounts for 40 cents of every rand that government has. The wage bill alone, that's before any service is rendered. Is it not in a position, Kosatu commanding 60% of the workforce, to come through to the table, this despite the shortcomings of government, because this government, by the way, is not entirely removed from who you are because they are in alliance with you. Some of these policies are policies that you generate as Gosatu and feed into, ultimately, being state policy. 
Yeah, look, let's take, let's take the stats from Treasury first of all, just so you have the, the right stats. The wage bill has been consistently at 35% of the public of the government's wage budget since 2008. Consistently. It's not increased. It is not the scare tactic that the government often bandies about because the government does, they only quote certain parts of the budget. It is consistently, according to Treasury's budget statements of Parliament, at 35% every year. And in fact, the headcount has been decreasing rapidly. In 1994, we had 34 million South Africans, a million public servants. Today, we have 57 million South Africans and 1.1 million public servants. So the, the, actual, the ratio per population has actually decreased by half. You are now seeing the impact in hospitals where you have a, a huge shortage of staff, in the police, a huge shortage of staff, and so forth. But look, I mean, leave aside that. We've set a government, we're willing to negotiate, we don't want the state to collapse. We recognize the fiscal crisis the state is in which is actually due to corruption, the collapsing of SOEs, a declining economy. But he said, look, we, it'll be workers who suffer first if the state collapses. That's why we said, let's engage on the next three years. We can even make a five-year wage agreement, which can easily, and we've done the number crunching, achieve the 150 billion rand the government wanted to save. But the government will have to take the pain. We've said ministers and politicians must lead from the front. They must take a 25% salary cut. You can then sell compromises to the ordinary work on the ground. But it's difficult Very to well. work on the ground who earn so little to sacrifice when those who are broken in the state are not willing. But let me come to your other question. So what is Kosato willing to put on the table? Very quickly, we we've got a couple of calls coming through. Table. We offered to support mobilizing massive amounts of funding from the PIC and so forth, from investment funds, public and private, into ESCOM to reduce the debt because it is a threat to the entire state. During the lockdown, the only form of new funding to come into the economy has been workers' money from the Unemployment Insurance Fund, where by the end of the month, we'll have probably pumped in about 50 billion rand from the U.S. That is workers' money. Government doesn't contribute a single cent to it. In fact, government has not pumped in one cent into the economy during this lockdown. It has been workers who have been doing it. You also know that workers are the ones who are getting heavily hit by high levels of, inf- of infection due to corona. The infection rate of nurses and doctors... Matthew, I'm going to ask you to cut it there because we have to take these calls and we have to give an opportunity to Mark as well to reply. So it's a point to Sikisiki. First up, Peter in Bloemfontein. Second, we have a voice note that will feature third. Tsepo, good evening. Good evening, sir. How are you? Well, how are you? Shoot, please. No, I'm I'm, I'm good. Uh, Yeah, but, you know, uh, I I, I, I love this conversation that you give with. But first, first thing first, in order for us to achieve in terms of the economy, let's start by removing Kosatu on its own. See Kosatu, see these these affiliation things. They are they are very dangerous for our country. You know why I'm saying that? The very same people who are killing the the economy are these affiliations, because as workers we will send them to go and speak for us. Only to find out when they arrive, they, they speak for themselves. They come back and tell us something that is not true. They know uh, we have arrived to this to this point. Can you take this and settle this? These people are selling out. These people is only about them. You know, our economy, the poorest of the poorest, are the ones who are who are suffering the most. Our economy needs people who understands poverty. You know, if you have never suffered, you will never understand Uguti in Dalai. 
the way I think we Fantastic. Our country is in No, for sure. We do appreciate that. Let's move on now. Let's listen to Peter in Bloemfontein. Peter, I'm fine. Good evening. Go right ahead. Hello. Hello. I'm a first-time caller, and I must say I'm an old pensioner and a bit dozy and dumb with all these fancy uh, answers and words and governments and kusatus and what have you, but I have some simple questions. First of all, two wrongs don't make a right in what they were saying in that Kusatu uh, uh, should get increases because the government and the public uh, CEOs and MDs earn this much and bank dealers and policemen earn this much. When you think of what they're earning, even if it's 200000 a year, that's a hell of a lot than somebody that's not earning anything of which the greater percentage of the vulnerable people in South Africa are not earning anything. They're getting 350 I get uh, to, uh, 1700 from from the government as a pension. <coughs> and another question that I need, and that's not right, uh, what should really happen is that the government in the first place should lead from the front, as I think somebody was saying, and take deep cuts in their pay, pay wages because they earn a tremendous amount of money. And they get entertainment allowances, petrol allowances, housing allowances. Wow. Then on top of that, um, what was I going to say? I'm sorry. I'm kind of forgetting what I was going to say. On, on no, it doesn't matter. That, but I think we've, we've, we've got the majority of your points. I mean, the first two that you've raised. And we do certainly appreciate your calling in for the first time this evening. We look forward to your second call tomorrow. Our last caller this evening, Sakile in Durban. Good evening. Yes, I hear you. The wage bill is high, but reducing it would only, would only help us save short term. At some point, we're going to hire more. We're going to have to hire more public servants because our population is not going down, going up. So at the end of the day, you should look at the real leakages and stop them and actually service our debt because our debt to GDP ratio is not looking good. I remember at some point in my high, in my high school, we spent like six months without an LO teacher because she left and we could and, and then there was no replacement. So shedding off more public servants won't do will, will actually do more harm to, to, to the vulnerable people you are trying to, to resuscitate the economy for. Thank you so much. Very well. Thank you so much, Sakile. Makwe, you are listening. Respond to these calls to the extent that you can, particularly the last one. I mean, he raises, it's a very fair point. Your thoughts, Makwe? Two minutes? Yeah. And I think it's just unfair to the workers at some point, because why do we listen to these rating agencies that put in pressure on the government that they need to cut the public wage bill? But you know what's funny? When we're in trouble, we start looking at the very same workers when we look at their pension fund. Here we are, the PIC is considering turning their debt to ESCOM into equity. You're taking almost $90 billion. And should they do that, they're going to reduce the debt of ESCOM and it's going to benefit the government and me and your people are working in the private sector. Did they ever consider maybe using the pension fund from ESCOM or from the other workers? And I think that's not right. And you get to a point that we know that, yes, people might be earning a lot of money, but at the end of the day, you know, as much as we want to grow, it's not just a question of cutting expenditure, but the government should be working more 
to make sure that, that they invest money, they spend money in such a way that the economy grows, and that as a result, it's going to increase their coffers, and this maybe public wage bill might be an issue going forward. And also with the very same workers, they should also make sure that at least they give their take and they give their they do their part to make sure that they're productive because it's just so unfair to the workers at some point that when we are in trouble, we start looking at their pension funds. But now when things are okay and we're trying to achieve other things, we want to cut the very thing uh, uh, which bill. So I'm not saying it must be left at that, but we should try to balance this and maybe we should be changing the narrative that, Mr. Government, what is it that we're doing to make sure that the economy grows? What is it that we're making sure that we start any more money so that we don't have an issue with our budget? We'll be having enough or sufficient money in our coffers and we should be able to go ahead. And in trouble times, unfortunately, the government ends up being uh, the last resort that people will go to, hence government will go out there to try to bail out companies. We've even seen it in 2007, 2008, that sometimes companies, when they're in good mood, they're making profit. It's okay, they're capitalists. But when it comes to their losses, they become socialists. We expect the very same government to come into play. Fantastic. No, we appreciate that. I'm going to have to let you go there, Marco. Thank you so much for your contributions. Chief Investment Officer at Marco Fund Managers. In all of a minute and a half, that does remain Matthew Parks, the Cosatus Parliamentary Coordinator. Matthew, if you could just limit your response to that first caller, taking serious sure. aim at Cosatus' inability to effectively see through its mandate where it matters most at the negotiating table. The allegation is it's self-interests over member interests. Look, it's ironic that he can complain that Kosato doesn't negotiate well for his members, but at the same time he complains, or people complain we have a high public service wage bill. So which is it? The fact is workers joined unions, they formed Kosato because they need to defend their interests. Kosato has shown its worth during this lockdown by exposing corruption with regards to the PPEs, by helping to save thousands of jobs, by getting together collective agreements, by pushing through U.S. money to get to workers. We've shown our relevance by achieving a national minimum wage, on many fronts, we managed to do it. We managed to achieve paid maternity leave, paid parental leave, on many, many fronts. Um, so, look, there always will be a need for trade unions as long as workers are exploited. Um, the other caller said, look, there's a level of the form of workers not earning a salary. That is true. And people forget that public servants, like all other workers, support on average seven unemployed relatives. Um, the real problem in the state fiscus is not because of the wage bill. The problem is because we lose, according to the Auditor General, 150 billion rand every year to corruption and wasteful expenditure. The problem is the SOEs, in particular ESCOM, SAA, SABC, have been run into the ground and become a drain on the fiscus. The problem is the economy is in a deep recession and therefore companies are bleeding and they're contributing less in tax revenue. So you can tinker with the wage bill. You can underpay public servants, but unless you address corruption and wasteful expenditure, unless you grow the economy, you're not addressing the crisis. And in fact, lastly, we have seen right now with COVID-19 and the pandemic, who is it that has saved this country? It is the nurses, it is the doctors, it is the police officers, it is the soldiers, it is the prison wardens, it is the public servants who have worked throughout or asked others who are sitting in the comfort of their homes. And it is those workers, including essential workers in the private sector, who have been... I think Matthew, we're going to have pandemic. to leave it there. I'm, I'm going to have to ask you to please leave sure. it there because we are over sure. our time, but we certainly do appreciate your contributions. And I'm letting you go now, as I have with Makwe, Matthew Parks, Gosatu's parliamentary coordinator. That were the contributions from Gosatu and Makwe from the private sector side in terms of South Africa's best response, if you will, to the economic recovery. Of course, this conversation continues. Expect more of this sometime next week. Let's take a short break before we continue into the final segment.